Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today I have a very special guest. I am joined by Caitlin Gregg. Goodman. Now, this is a very unusual guest for our podcast because normally we have the dedicated amateur runners on here, and that's not who Caitlin is. Caitlin is a dedicated professional runner. She is a four-time Olympic trials qualifier, has done so in the 5K, the 10K, and the marathon. She's been a pro for nearly a decade and has actually represented the United States in the Great Edinburgh Cross Country Challenge. She has done a whole bunch of things not only from a running perspective, but she's also getting her master's in public health at Brown University, and she runs a full-time coaching business. So she has her hands full. She's done a lot of things, and we're going to dive into not only what she's doing now and just the exceptional running she's done lately, but also diving a little bit into her history. She does not have the typical runner's background in terms of you know being the elite high school runner and who's kind of destined to have a professional career. She was kind of on the other end of the spectrum in terms of people who were kind of who potentially achieved that kind of success. So I'll let her talk about that a little bit more. Uh, but suffice it to say, it certainly is an interesting episode, not only because of her background, but there's parts of her story that a lot of people can relate to, even if you're never going to be a professional runner. So. I look forward to talking to Caitlin uh, for this episode, not only because of all these things, but not only is she a professional running coach, she's my running coach. So we're going to do a little little segment here. It's a new segment called Coach's Corner. Uh, it's going to be a segment I'm going to include in a lot of uh, future podcasts, and we're going to start off right with my coach. So we're going to end this podcast with three questions that typical runners have questions about things that they, uh, you know, worry about or things that they, um, you know, stress over. And some of these questions are taken actually from my own personal background. So we'll see what Caitlin has to say. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Caitlin Greg Goodman. Hello, Caitlin, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure, and I appreciate, first of all, I appreciate your patience. We tried to record this last night. It didn't go very well, audio-wise, but um, I really appreciate you sticking it out there and uh, decided to come back. So, first of all, thank you. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Happy to. Um, so, first things first, I just mentioned in the introduction just your, your fabulous background as a professional runner. It really is something else, and at the same time, I just love how you got started in running because it's not the typical way, especially at the high school and college level, that you see some of the some of your peers in the professional ranks how they did at the same, you know, at, at the same times in their life. Mm -hmm. So just going back, what was you know what was it like for you in terms of measuring yourself up against you know the best runners in California, say your junior and senior year? How did you stack up? Yeah, you know, back in high school, I would say I, I was a good high school athlete, but definitely not a great athlete um, in terms of running. I, um, you know, looked up to Sarah Hall and, um, you know, the, the likes of those folks who were going off to run at Foot Locker and, you know, run on the national level. Um, I was, was, you know, okay regionally. Um, I, I never made it to the state meet, unfortunately, in track and field. I did go in cross country. Um 
but yeah, I probably, uh, of the folks who are running professionally now, um, I was definitely on the slower end in high school, but I've been lucky to have a, you know, steady progress year after year building. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and when you were deciding on where to go to college, how much did running play a part in that decision and how did it affect your recruitment as you're looking at different schools? Yeah, you know, definitely running in college was a, a big priority for me as I was looking at schools. Um, I went on some recruit trips, but I was what you would call a, a recruited walk-on. So folks weren't throwing a big scholarship dollars my way. Um, but I was going to have the chance to compete in college, and that was absolutely my goal. Um, and I was just trying to find the school that would be the best fit for me both academically and athletically and being, being real about where I was athletically um, coming out of high school. And you decided on UC Davis, which was literally around the corner from where <laughs> you lived at the time. And uh, so that school was transitioning from division two to division one at that moment. Mm -hmm. So for you, what was it like training with the other girls on that team? Were they kind of a similar caliber of runner to you? Uh, at, you know, when you first started or how do you stack up uh, to your running partners and how did they influence your growth? Yeah. So, you know, when I came in um, as a freshman, I actually didn't make the, the top seven in cross country as a freshman. Um, so I didn't go to go to nationals. We had this kind of a, I don't, I don't want to call it fake nationals, but it was neither division two nor division one NCAAs. It was kind of this uh, no man's land uh, nationals for folks who were transitioning other schools that were transitioning. Um, but I didn't make that top seven squad coming in, but I was lucky to be surrounded by um, women like uh, Lauren Scott was one of my teammates. Um, I'm sure your listener, listeners will know the name Kim Conley, uh, now two-time Olympian. She was uh, one of my teammates. So being able to train with them, I think for all of us, kind of uh, it being a developmental program, uh, we might not have been superstars coming out of high school, but um, you know, we started building and building for me, I, I just got a little bit better every year. And by my uh, senior year, uh, Kim and I actually were the first two from UC Davis to qualify for NCAAs in cross country. So um, that was a pretty special moment for both of us. And how did running with the likes of Kim help you as you progressed year to year? Yeah, you know, in college, um, we were really, really great friends and great teammates. And so I think, you know, pushing each other and challenging each other and, um, you know, I think for, for all the women on our team, just having um, big goals and surrounding yourself with people who um, have goals maybe bigger than you had for yourself, that pushes you to, um, you know, then look one step beyond um, than, that you might have been looking at. So um, I think that was definitely collective on the team and really helpful. So after your freshman year, after you didn't make the top seven going into that last meet, what were your goals moving forward, both short-term and long-term? You know, I think I was still just kind of figuring out uh, college. <laughs> you know, freshman year is, is hard, whether you're a student athlete or not. So I was just trying to figure out how to be a college student, you know, how to be 18. <laughs> so I, I would say I didn't necessarily have, like, a timeline mapped out. But, um, you know, one of the things I think is, is true at no matter what level of running you're at is just try to, you know, bring your A game that day. And so, yes, have long-term long focus, but also, you know, try to do your best every day and do a little bit better each day going forward. So um, I think that's probably a good way to sum up how my college career worked out, just 
be a little now is better. That, now, is that a mindset that you've always had, whether, it, whether it's with your running or, you know, you're, you're getting your master's now uh, in public health at Brown, uh, so you're obviously successful in more than just athletics. Now, have you always had that kind of step-by-step mindset, or is that something that you've cultivated over time? Oh, definitely cultivated with a great support crew teaching me along the way. Um, yeah, you know, I've, I've been lucky to have, you know, so many fantastic coaches in my life over the years, whether in high school, college, professionally, um, uh, people who I've gotten to learn from as a coach myself. So um, I can't take credit for that, uh, but uh, a great group of, of people teaching you and supporting you and being a little bit better every day. So ultimately, what was your, the highlight of your college career from a running perspective? Definitely qualifying for NCAAs. You know, I think for both Kim and I, um, we hadn't had anyone else from UC Davis do that before. So it was a little bit of uh, unknown territory. Um, and I'm such a stats nerd about looking at, you know, rankings and PRs and times. So I'd been looking at, you know, how people have been running all year and I knew if I didn't really step up at regionals, that would have been my last cross country race uh, in college. And I didn't want to have that be the end. So um, yeah, that, that meet is still a really special day. I, uh, I keep a you know, little highlight reel that I like to play before big races to remind myself of when things have gone well. And, and that race from 2008 is definitely still 10 years later in my highlight reel. So when that race started, did you have a, a really good idea when you looked around at the start line exactly who you needed to beat going oh, into yes. that race? <laughs> yes. Maybe too much if you ask my coaches. I was probably I, – I knew a little bit too much about my competitors. Sometimes it's good just to, you know, put your head down and run and not get too caught up in, oh, what this person's run, what this person's done before. But, yeah, I knew what position I needed to be in. That's interesting. So I've, I've heard that before. Why is that important not to be too externally focused? Well, you know, on race day, really the only thing that you can control is your own performance. And, um, you know, I think a good example of that is I I raced the U.S. Marathon Championships um, last month and, you know, to be honest, had aspirations to go in and and to try to win. Um, And I thought perhaps 232 could win. um, And it turned out being fifth. But um, I can't be disappointed in that because I did the best that I thought I could do on that day. And you know, kudos to those other women who had better days, but I can only control, you know, my mindset, how I'm, you know, executing my strategy. And if someone's just having a better day, you know, bravo to them, but uh, you got to focus on what's in your control and what you can execute on. Um, And again, I think that's true at any level, high school, all the way to the pros. That's a great point because that was a huge race for you. I know you've been training for it for a long time and, 232 that was a huge pr at the same time it was um, so, <laughs> yeah. so looking back on it now would have you raced differently knowing what you know now you know i don't think so i i really tried to follow the race plan that my coach and i had laid out which was to you know get to mile 20 um in control and the the pack i was with um through i think you know 16 or 17 miles they started to throw in some surges there um and I was like, ooh, this is, this is too early. This is not really the plan we'd been uh, talking about. So I let that pack go, and I stayed at the pace. I, I actually pretty much even split across the board, which um, I'm pretty proud of. That was an accomplishment in and of itself. So, 
you know, if I could do it again, I'd love to obviously place higher, but I think based on the buildup and the fitness and I was a little sick coming into it, we thought that's what I could do and um, tried to just focus on, you know, what, what I could control and what I could do. Right. And I should clarify. So that was the California International Marathon. Yes. Um, yeah. Where you did that, which was another talk about a great field. They do a great job with that race. And not only that, but that's in your that's in your backyard. I mean, talk it about is. yeah, like a home court advantage with that race. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's actually the site of my debut marathon and where I first qualified for the Olympic trials. Um, it's in my backyard. So I love racing in Sacramento. Um Definitely, I draw a lot on on the crowd support and to have friends, family, teammates from high school and college out there on the course, um, especially in a marathon, um, you really got to draw on the, the people cheering out there. So it's so fun for me to race at home. And I can't say enough good things about Scott Abbott and the Sacramento Running Association and the events that they put on. Yeah, so you've qualified for the Olympic trials in the 5K, the 10K, and the marathon. Which one do you like the most? And has that changed over time? Um, you know, I think the 10K will always have a special place in my heart. I think that's, um, you know, the event I'm, I'm best at. But um, after this most recent marathon, I have to say I'm enjoying marathoning a, a bit more. Um, so we'll see. I think, um, you know, I want to run as many 10Ks as I can. Uh, I worry my 5K days are behind me now. I, I'm turning 31 this month, so... There's a lot of young guns out there with a few more wheels than I have, but, um, but I'm excited to, to see about the marathon in 2020. Yeah. And did you set your 10 K PR this year at Peyton Jordan as well? I say this I year, I mean, 2017. Yes, I did. I did. Got it. So a great year for you, obviously setting a marathon PR and a 10 K PR uh, yeah. in the same year and kind of Peyton Jordan was that February or that was earlier in the season. Correct. No, that was, um, gosh, that was May. Yeah. Was May, May. Of 2017. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. So as, uh, as we discussed before you came on, this is a, a brand new segment here on the rambling runner podcast. We're calling it coach's corner. Mm-hmm. People may not know that in addition to being a professional and just fantastic runner, you're also a fantastic coach. I know this firsthand because you're my coach. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to ask you three questions and if we can, uh, you know, after each question, maybe, you know, dive in a little more if need be, uh, we can do that. So I'm excited to get this going. So first one is when I plug my 10K time into a pace calculator, it gives me a fast marathon time. How much stock should I put in that number? Well, that's a great question. And I think that uh, segues well from what we were talking about before. Um, I'll use myself as, as an example, actually. So my, as we were saying, my 10K um, is 3155, um, probably my strongest event. Um, but that says I should be able to break 230 in the marathon. And as we just discussed, I'm, I'm two minutes away from that. So what, with those calculators, I think they're a really helpful tool to give you, um, you know, a, a vague sense of where you can be, but let's be honest, there's 20 miles difference between a 10 K and a marathon. So making those kind of jumps can be challenging with the um, with the longer distances. So if you're looking at a half marathon PR, that's going to be a better indicator for what you can do over the course of a marathon. Your 10K then, you know, also is going to be maybe a little bit better indicator at 5K, but that might be a stretch um, for the mile. So really what I try to focus on with my athletes is saying, let's look at how you're performing in track workouts and with speed stuff. And if that's your forte, you know, you can take a little bit more stock in 
um, what a 10K predictor might mean for, for your 5K. But if tempos and long runs are your strength, um, you know, you might look at that 10K time and say, well, you know, it says I can run this for the marathon, but if we know you're crushing your long runs every weekend, um, maybe that time's a little soft and, you know, we don't want that to be the, the limit for you. So with those calculators, see it as a helpful tool, but, um, you know, don't let it limit your performance either. Yeah, that's a good point. So you're saying I shouldn't put in my mile time to figure out what my marathon time should be? <laughs> Preferably not. <laughs> um, so what would be a better way of getting a predictor for a potential marathon time? Because that's such a hard race to predict. Yeah. So, you know, when I'm coaching someone for a marathon, I love to have them do some sort of um, race simulation leading up to it. So generally five to six weeks out, if we can find a a 10 mile or a half marathon or here in new England, there's a bunch of 20 mile races going on, you know, leading up to Boston. Um, so if you can find kind of any sort of 10 to 20 mile race, um, that's five to six weeks out from your marathon. And I like to have athletes treat that as a dress rehearsal and we'll treat that as a, you know, a, a big performance. We're really going to get after it. And that not only has a training stimulus leading into your marathon, but can also give us a better sense of how you're handling the training you've been putting in um, and be a better predictor. So that's for me as a coach, a really big marker race leading up to it. And I think for the athletes too, um, a good chance to kind of work out some of those pre-race jitters and, um, practice what you're going to do on race day five to six weeks later at the marathon. Yeah. And we had a couple people come on the podcast who ran CIM in addition, uh, to you and they, they kind of did a similar thing where they ran, you know, they all didn't run the same half marathon, but a lot of them ran a half marathon in October, uh, yep. mid to late October, and they all, you know, kind of viewed it as a dress rehearsal. And in that instance, how hard should someone go um, in that race? You know, it's, it's definitely dependent on where you're at in your training and how your body is absorbing the training. So I ran a half um, in October, the Hartford half, um, with the goal of, you know, really getting after it and trying to um, to run fast. And I was able to run a PR, but again, if we're going back to those race calculators, um, it definitely was not what the calculator would predict because I was pretty tired coming in. So I think that's really going to be dependent on every athlete and having that one-on-one -on -one conversation with your coach about, you know, for, for one athlete, it might make sense to taper a little bit leading into that race. If they need a confidence boost, we want to go after a PR and, you know, have that race um, be a full all out effort for others. You might train through it. Um, and it's, you know, serving a different purpose than an all out race effort and maybe more of a, um, like a tempo effort or, um, doing some practicing with marathon fueling, something like that. So pretty individualized. Yeah. And when you say training through it, you basically mean almost like how you would treat a long run at the end of a, a week's worth of training. Like you would do your typical midweek running and then just lead right into the race. Yeah, so you're coming in on tired legs. We're not tapering. We're not taking an extra day off leading into it. Um, and, again, that's going to really vary for, for each athlete and, and what purpose uh, that race is serving for um, him or her. Right. All right. So question number two. Mm -hmm. After months and months of training, my race did not go as planned or as well as I had hoped. Is it time to reassess my goals? Question mark. You know, I, I think there's so much that can go into one race. And one of the challenges is, 
if you've put all your eggs in that basket and it doesn't go well, it can be really disappointing and easy to say, oh gosh, like my goal was too ambitious or I failed or kind of these um, <laughs> pretty definitive statements. And what I really encourage folks to say is let's go back and look at the bigger picture. Let's not focus on just that one day, but let's kind of zoom out a little bit, the 30,000 foot level and say, what else was going on um, over the course of, you know, the three to four months leading up to that race? Did you have a really good buildup and you increased your mileage, you were kicking butt in workouts, but maybe you had a really stressful work week leading up to your race or, you know, something extraneous outside of your control happened or you got sick, um, you know, that might have affected your performance. And so maybe you don't actually need to readjust your goals. We just need to be a little less stressed out at work leading up into that race. You know what I mean? So um, I would, would counter and say, instead of saying, oh, I got to totally change things, say, let's, let's take a look at everything else going on in your life and say, are there some things maybe that, that we could change, but, but also appreciating the body of work that you've put in and um, saying, you know, maybe, maybe something was out of my control and, uh, let's try again for that big ambitious goal just in a few weeks. Right. No, that's, that's a good point. And I know that in, as, as you know, that's something that I've struggled with, mm-hmm. um, in the past. Um, so I took that one right out, right out of my journal. <laughs> so, so right we out there. have talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and that's something I think you, you know, you had a great year this year in 2017, you had the 10 K PR, you had the half marathon PR and you had your marathon PR. But at the same time, at the USATF Outdoor Track Championships, you had a race, and you were very public about it afterwards, that you were not very happy with, yeah. and yet you were able to bounce back and have this great fall. So how, were you, how did you manage that experience? Yeah, well, no, I think that's a great example to bring up, um, because if I were just to look at that performance on its own, um, that'd be pretty disappointing. I, I think I finished like 15th, and I came in ranked 8th, and... Um, so, you know, kind of taking a look at the other stuff that was going on in my life at that time, I think is really important. I had a really bad ankle sprain, kind of this fluke injury that thankfully wasn't, you know, a long-term like bone injury or something, a stress-related injury, but, but it happened. And so I lost some training and um, it doesn't mean I can't run 3155 again or faster, but I think it's important to say, okay, well, you know, let's look at these things that were unfortunately outside of my control and um, and try to bounce back, but, uh, definitely, you know, in terms of bouncing back, um, lean on your support system. I had, you know, great support from rabbit, my sponsor, from teammates, um, from my coach, from my family. Um, you know, I was, I was pissed off about it for a little while. Sure. And I think that's, that's part of the process too. Um, it's okay to be mad for a little while, but don't carry that anger, you know, table it after, you know, I like to give myself, you know, the cool down to be angry. Maybe the next day you can stew about it a little bit, but then you got to change your mindset, you know, go back to that glass half full attitude and, um, and move forward. So now do you ever use races like that? Um, on like say the next race day, or if you have a big workout in the future and say, and basically say, all right, I'm going to like, I'm going to prove that I'm going to prove that race wrong. I'm going to prove, you know, that whatever happened that day, I'm going to take revenge today for what happened back then. Um, I don't know if I approach that necessarily at like a workout by workout level, 
but but certainly, you know, kind of thinking more long term, um, you know, how I want to perform at the next U.S. championships that I go to, certainly. So maybe not necessarily like the next track workout, but thinking that the next time I, I step on the starting line, um, wanting to have a little bit of redemption and, you know, show that that's not um, the athlete that I am. Right. All right. Question number three. And I'm actually, I'm not going to say question mark at the end of this. It shows you how bad I am at reading. I actually <laughs> said question mark after this, after the second question. All right, here we go. Um, I'm an experienced runner and I do a great job with my long runs. But when I do track workouts, they aren't nearly as fast as one would expect given my long run prowess. Mm-hmm. How can I improve my speed or is that just a lost cause? I should just focus, focus on the long stuff. Definitely not a lost cause. I think anyone can see um, improvements in whatever your weak spot is, whether that's speed, whether that's your long runs, whether that's, you know, tempos, but, but for your question in particular and, and how to improve how you're doing on the track, um, I would say the easiest, uh, most simple way to do that is doing strides. So for your, if for your listeners who might not know what strides are, um, these are anywhere from about 100 to 200 meters. You don't have to be super specific. Um, I run by my house from like one stop sign to another that I can eyeball. It's about a hundred meters. Um, and you're running that at, you know, 80 to 90% of max. It's not a sprint, um, but it's definitely not a jog. Uh, you want to be going fast and, um, you know, doing six to eight of these by 100 meters, um, two to three times a week after your runs is a great way to improve your speed. And, you know, if you're doing eight times a hundred meters twice a week, um, all of a sudden, you're at one mile of work at close to one mile race pace. Um, so that's, you know, a pretty impressive uh, amount of work at, at one mile race pace, considered in the, the total volume of your week. So I'm such a fan of strides. I know it's really easy to overlook on uh, your schedule because um, you're like, oh, it's just, you know, all strides. I'm, I'm busy. I'm going to skip those. And I always tell my athletes, that's not the thing to skip. <laughs> Sometimes I'll even put in the, the log this is the priority of the day, not your aerobic run, strides. So um, strides is a great bang for your buck on improving your speed. Now, why is it important to, to do that kind of work, just generally speaking, whether someone's good at it or not? Why is it important to, to really you know, go very hard on certain days as opposed to just doing aerobic runs all the time? Yeah, well, I think uh, one of the, the big things with strides is really working on your form. I get a lot of questions for, on, uh, on form from folks. And when you think about when you're out there on an aerobic run or in your long run or some of these days where you might be pretty tired, um, if you take a look at, you know, have a friend film you, um, your form might not look so great because um, you're tired. You're out there for a while. That's totally understandable. I look pretty crummy at the end of a long run sometimes. But when you're doing strides, you get up on your toes, you're running tall, it's only 100 meters, so you're going to be running really efficiently there. And you're training your body to get to that most efficient running form when you're going fast in those strides. Um, Especially when you're doing it on tired legs, there's going to be some muscle memory there. So if you're doing it at the end of your run, um, instead of your muscle kind of saying, all right, I was jogging, this is my kind of crummy form when I'm jogging, um, strides, you're going to be really efficient running tall. having good form, good extension. So I think it's, it's really important to practice, um, even at, at my level. It's, it's definitely on my schedule, and sometimes those are, those are the things I get lazy with, but um, so, so important and, and really good return on your investment of a really short 
you know, you're spending five, 10 minutes doing that at your end of your run. So. And it's interesting how you, how you basically didn't mention that it's not race specific or race distance specific, that, that because it's related back to form as a, you know, one of the primary benefits that whether someone's doing a 5k or a marathon, that mm-hmm. still could be a valuable part of their training regimen. Absolutely. You know, with a 5k, you're definitely wanting to work on your speed and, and have a finishing kick there. But on the same token at the marathon, you know, when your form really is breaking down and if you go stand at mile 20 on a marathon course, you'll see it. <laughs> um, oh, I've lived it, Caitlin. I know, exactly, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Right, right. Those race pictures are pretty ugly at the end there. Um, so, you know, they, they will serve slightly different purposes in terms of, you know, the direct benefit that you're getting from it. But it's important, you know, no matter the, the distance. Um, if you check out uh, Camille Heron, who's a, a stud American ultra runner, um, you see her doing strides too. She races a hundred miles, but she's out there doing strides. So strides are universal. Wow. I would never think that's so funny. I would oh, never think that an ultra marathoner could, would even care at all about doing something like that. Oh yeah. Check out her Twitter, her Instagram. She'll, she'll have it up there. All right. I will. Speaking of those things, before we get going, I do want to mention the places where people can find you. Your website is trainingjoyfully.com. Um, that's where people can get access to not only your results and, you know, a little bio about you, um, but also, you know, your, uh, your, your coaching, uh, your coaching services. You also get be contacted through there. In addition, follow you on Instagram at, at runner KG and you have a Twitter handle handle as well, right? Yep. Twitter is also runner KG runner KG. All right. Um, Kaylin, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Before we get going, um, if you're if you can divulge it, what uh, races do you have upcoming for uh, for the spring? Yeah. Um, well, the plan right now is to race the USA 15K Road Championships down in Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Florida, in March. It's one of my favorites. I try to do it every year if I can. Um, and you know, half the reason I do it is to escape the New England winter. So, looking forward to going to Florida. Um, and you know, beyond that, we're still figuring things out, but um, but excited for the spring. That's great. Well, good luck and happy running. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. And thanks everyone for listening.